So, John, mm-hmm. let's play Porno Password. Oh, I thought you'd never ask. Your clue this week is discharge. Discharge. Anal? No. Vaginal? No. Clitoral? Do, do they discharge things? <laughs> <laughs> your, your knowledge of female anatomy is uh, stunning. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so it's not an orifice, I guess, then. Um, spunk? No. Is it semen spunk? Is it any kind of version of that word? No. No. Well, like, diarrhea is not sexual. <laughs> not unless you're into some really kinky shit, some really, like, creepy shit. Um, what else can you discharge? Um, erectile? Yes. Oh, great, there we go. Fantastic. <laughs> See, that was fun. We should do that more often. No! <laughs> Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, a podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs to films that don't have any. I'm Harry, and joining me as always is John. Hello. That was, that was, that was a very kind of... I don't know why that was one breath. <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was very, I'm going to get this over as quickly as possible. <laughs> sing song, sing song. <laughs> don't let me keep you, you know, you're not enjoying yourself. <laughs> Alright, well let's hurry up and do this. Alright, fine. So what do you think of The Cable Guy? Yes, your, so... It's your cable... choice, well done. Thank you, yes. So I chose this film because I felt like it'd be an interesting one to talk about, because it has a reputation as being a bit of a box office disaster mm-hmm. it came out like at the peak of jim carrey mania jim carrey's career was really crazy because all of his biggest hits came in an 18 month period mm-hmm. so basically he's like a working actor he's popping up in various things and making a name for himself and then ace ventura comes out in february 1994 mm-hmm. followed by the mask in july 1994 followed by dumb and dumber in december 1994 mm-hmm. then batman forever in june 1995 then Ace Ventura 2 in November 1995. And then this in February 1996, I think. Mm-hmm. And apart from that, this film, all of those other films made over 200 million at the box office. Mm. So he had like 18 months when he was everywhere. And mm-hmm. it was just like nonstop. It was like, he was like a one-man MCU. Mm. It was just like, here's after, here's after, here's after this. So for this film, he was paid $20 million for his performance in this film, which was at the time the highest salary any actor had ever commanded for a film. Really? Yeah. And then it flopped. Mm. And it got really bad reviews. And yeah, it derailed him a little bit. And that was when he kind of stopped doing really... Well, he did Liar Liar. But mm. then he started like dialing back the Jim Carrey persona and kind of started doing more interesting stuff like obviously The Truman Show and then Eternal Sunshine and Man on the Moon. You mm. know, he started pulling back a little bit from the crazy comedies. Yeah, I think this is an interesting film. And I was interested to revisit it. And also, you know, what else are you going to do to follow with Mice and Men? You know, yeah. <laughs> two literary classics. <laughs> obviously, If Mice and Men was directed by Gary Sinise. He's yeah. an actor. And before that, what was the film we did before that? Um, that Thing You Do. That Thing You Do, which was written and directed by Tom Hanks, also an actor. And this is written and directed by Ben Stiller. So yeah. I guess it just concludes our little season <laughs> of films directed by actors. With well, you say that. Very you, degrees you, you, of success. You don't know what I've picked for next That's week. That's true. We may be continuing it. Who knows? Mm. Yeah, I'll find out. But yeah, I mean, this is definitely the worst of the three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to rank the three of them? Yeah. Nah, I'm putting up Mice and Men at the bottom. Really? Yeah, Mice and Men's boring. Oh God, you're such a philistine. This one was great. I love Jim Carrey. Okay, so this is the thing. I'm not the biggest fan of physical comedy, so Jim Carrey... Which is, is... weird that you picked this film then. You don't necessarily have to pick a film you like. I just thought it'd be interesting to talk about. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I sometimes find him a little bit tiresome. And this was... He was just doing the most in this film. It mm. was too much. 
this felt like the product of an actor who is at the height of untouchable success, which mm-hmm. he was, with nobody having the balls to tell him no mm-hmm. at any point. No one ever, ever telling him to like dial it back a bit. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure. You, you want to sing a full three minute karaoke performance in the middle of this film? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> did it well though. He did, but it literally the whole song. That could, yeah. He literally sang the song from start to finish and then ad-libbed at the end of a minute. That <laughs> scene went on forever. <laughs> and this is the problem. When Jim Carrey is doing this much, he doesn't act with anybody else. Like he just basically chews the scenery and takes over the whole film. Mm-hmm. And everyone else just has to kind of get out of the way. Like, I don't think he's acting with Matthew Broderick in this film. I think he's acting at Matthew Broderick in this mm-hmm. film. And so that's the thing that I think is a problem for this film is that he is just too, 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 too much. And it's exhausting and it's not in any way fun to watch. For me, mm-hmm. maybe you disagreed. I really enjoyed it, but maybe if I were to watch uh, five or six Jim Carrey films in a space of 18 months. Sure, yeah. Um, <laughs> it might be a bit much. Sure. Yeah. I don't know. Do you want somebody to love? No. This film stars Matthew Broderick and Jim Carrey. Matthew Broderick is, I guess, our hero. Uh, yeah. He's um, playing what he plays in every single film, which is the everyman. The ev- yeah. That was the question I was going to ask you, actually. What do you most associate Matthew Broderick with? Godzilla. Godzilla, really. That's interesting. Do you like that film? I've watched it more recently. Have you watched it more recently? Than my childhood, yes. Yeah, and you, it didn't stand up. No. No. He's got a weird career for me, because I feel like he's a character actor who accidentally became a leading man. Mm-hmm. Because he is always this kind of low energy everyman kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And basically he had a big film in the 80s called Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which I'm sure we'll get around to at some point, mm-hmm. which is great. And he's great in it. But then after that, he just became like a leading man. And he managed to dine out on that film for like 20 years. Like he doesn't really appear in leading roles that much anymore, but he did a lot. And not many of them are very memorable. He did Godzilla, bombed. He did Inspector Gadget, bombed. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's more. He got a lot of chances. He was like the army hammer of his generation. Like, you know, the kind of wealthy middle-class white guy who just fails upwards. Like, yeah. <laughs> I felt like that was Matthew Broderick's career trajectory after Ferris Bueller. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little bit harsh. I'm sure there's some things he's done that I'm not remembering. But yeah, I like him much better when he's in small roles. Mm. He's great when he's playing like a dick. Yeah. In uh, You Can Count On Me, another film I really like. He plays a dick and he's great in that. But anyway, off topic. The point is, he's a weird choice to be a leading man because I don't think he's got particular leading man charisma most of the time. In this film, the cable guy, he is an everyman who has been kicked out by his girlfriend, played mm-hmm. by Leslie Mann, mm-hmm. because he proposed to her too soon and she got freaked out and she wanted some space. And then, so he's moving into a flat on his own, an apartment on his own. Mm-hmm. And he, his friend, Jack, played by Jack Black, tells him to pay the cable guy to get him some free channels. The cable guy comes over to install his channels and the cable oh, guy's... Jim God, Perry. Jack Black was boring in this. He was, yeah, we'll get to Jack Black, yeah. So not then, much to say, other than he was boring and it's well, a I feel disappointment. Like, I feel like Jack Black's role was 90% on the cutting room floor. It yeah. felt like that was what happened. Yeah. It felt like he got cut out of the movie because mm. he really didn't have anything to do. Yeah. So then the cable guy turns up and it's Jim Carrey and he's immediately incredibly loud and obnoxious and he kind of worms his way into Matthew Broderick's life, becomes his best friend. Well, in his mind, they're mm-hmm. best friends. Matthew Broderick's a bit like unsure. Mm-hmm. Although it still gives him a lot of chances. Yeah. More than most sane <laughs> human beings. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, and then it, as the film goes on, he becomes more and more intense and possessive and Matthew Broderick attempts to end the friendship, which he, he does not take well. Mm-hmm. And he ends up pretty much stalking him, doing lots of crazy shit to him, physical violence to him and people around him. 
worming his way into his family, etc. And yeah, it ends with a big confrontation on a satellite dish where they have it, they fight it out, and then Jim Carrey falls to his near death but survives, mm-hmm. and then the film ends. Mm-hmm. So that's the cable guy. Look, I appreciate you helping me out with Robin, but you have to understand, I'm going to have to work extra hard to not screw this relationship up again. You're a very nice guy, but I just don't have any room in my life for a new friend, okay? So, what are you trying to say? I don't want to be your friend. I appreciate your honesty. You're a real straight shooter. So you're all right? Hey. I'm a big boy. It's no big deal. Whatever. You're sure? Uh-huh. I'm fine. So it's basically kind of a fatal attraction kind of story, I guess. Is this kind of stalkery kind of story. Or a single white female. Yeah, a bit. A bit. Again, this is where my problem with Jim Carrey's performance is, is that he's too much too soon, I think. Because mm-hmm. I feel like it's obvious from the very beginning that his character is insane. Yeah. And there's no reason why Matthew Broderick or any sane human being will be friends with him. Mm-hmm. Like, if he'd started just a little bit off, you know, like if he channeled his whole persona into being like fun and enthusiastic, and Matthew Broderick's like, hey, this guy's given me a whole new lease of life, you know, he's exciting to be around, he's high energy, etc. Mm-hmm. And then he gets, he gets more crazy as the film goes on. Yeah. Then it'd be creepy. But for me, this film doesn't work because the moment you meet him, he's, he's a clear psychopath mm-hmm. and he's got no boundaries. And it's like, there's just you just wouldn't hang out with him and it made the film very one-paced mm-hmm. it starts at a certain tenor and it ends at the same tenor and there's not much kind of up and down yeah would you agree yeah yeah i agree with that mm-hmm. definitely i think maybe it needed somebody else who was also being a bit comedic like if jack black had a bigger role in this mm. and was just being jack black's normal self mm. then maybe this film could have passed just being like a weird comedy yeah this one was just jim carrey yeah and it yeah i could see how it just too much Jim Carrey because yeah. there wasn't enough for anybody else. And I wonder if that was deliberate, if that was something that Jim Carrey demanded mm. or, because, that he was in basically every scene of the movie because you're right, nobody else gets anything to do no. at all. And there are some, there's some interesting people in this. You do have Jack Black. You've got Leslie Mann who is a very funny actress. Have you seen in a lot of the Judd Apatow comedies that she later did? No, nope, never. She's a, a funny person. She can be funny. And in this, like she plays Matthew Broderick's girlfriend. She has absolutely nothing to do. <laughs> It is the ultimate bland girlfriend role. Mm. Like, she's basically olive oil. Mm-hmm. Like, she basically is olive oil from Popeye in this role. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, at the scene at the end when she gets kidnapped mm-hmm. and she's literally just dangling from the satellite dish. Oh, yeah. And then it's like, how did you get her up there? <laughs> yeah. And then suddenly he climbs a ladder and she's there waiting for yeah. him at the top as well. It's like, so what? Did, did we now? miss a scene? How did he do that? Why did she not just run? Like, yeah. Mm. There was a lot of Very that. Very strange. Yeah. But yeah, that's what I mean. I feel like the little plots that could have been more but weren't. Like Jack Black got nothing to do. Mm. There's like a couple of scenes that hint that Matthew Broderick doesn't like his boss, but you never see anything between them. So when he gets fired, it doesn't really mean anything. I loved how his job was just nothing. Yes. <laughs> like it was It was never mentioned what he did. No, I and couldn't it, figure it out. Like at one he's point like, he's like, oh, he, he just proposes things in boardrooms and yeah. then people give him thumbs up. That's his job. At one point he's on some kind of building site. Yeah. I was like, what, what's this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. His job was absolutely nothing. But I, I did appreciate that. Just like, it doesn't matter. It's not important to the plot. So his job is it's just not there. Yeah. <laughs> he works in a job. He gets fired. That's, that's yeah. the plot. Yeah. I'm in 
So how's work? Work's good. How's how? How's how? Don't get me started. Guy has no vision. It's like working for Mr. Magoo. Those hair plugs. I know. It's just an utterly useless person. <laughs> I think I hate him. I will say, I did some reading up on this film, and one thing that made a lot of sense to me was that this film was supposed to be a lot darker. Mm-hmm. So I think this is also a product of studio intervention. So basically what was supposed to happen was that Jim Carrey's character was actually supposed to kill Jack Black at mm-hmm. some point. So that right. would have, yeah, which makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And he was also supposed to die at the end. Because mm-hmm. the end felt like a real... It was weird that he didn't die. Yeah, it was That would have been a really good end. Yeah. Maybe, again, it must have been the studio being like, you can't kill Jim Carrey. He's everyone's favourite comedian at this point. Like, mm. Which is a shame, because it would have been cool for him to do a really dark comedy at that point in his career. It just pulled its punches a little bit too much. Mm. And also, I don't know if you picked up on this, but so you know how there's a runner with Ben Stiller mm-hmm. as the guy who kills his own brother? Yeah. And he's on trial through the whole film. Yeah. So apparently what you were supposed to pick up on, which I certainly didn't, was that actually Jim Carrey's character had killed the brother. See, I was wondering if that was the case. Okay. But there was nothing to... I didn't notice anything that pointed towards it. Well, it was very subtle. In the scene when they play the audio recording of somebody phoning the police, Ben Stiller's character allegedly phoning the police and saying, yes, someone just shot him. He was Asian. He looked Asian. He was definitely Asian in that scene. That wasn't Ben Stiller's voice. That was Jim Carrey's voice. So it was was supposed to be implying, again, I didn't pick up on this at all, that he had killed. So yeah, there's a version of this film in which Jim Carrey's character isn't just like socially awkward, but is actually a serial killer, which I think is a better film. Yeah, but they needed to make that more obvious. They really did, yeah. <laughs> That's incredibly subtle. Indeed, yeah. And to no gain. Mm. It's not like, a, oh, that's cool, yeah. sort of fact. It's just like, oh. Yeah, yeah, I wish I'd known that. It would have made the film more interesting. Yeah. Totally, totally, yeah. Tabitha Soren with MTV News. Today in the Sam Sweet case, the prosecution played the 911 call that Sam Sweet made the night he murdered his brother. Keep in mind, Mr. Sweet confessed one month later. Oh my God! Oh my God! My good brother's been shot. I think it was an Asian gang or something. I saw someone. He looked Asian, and he was speaking another language. I'm pretty sure it was Asian. Can we talk about the basketball scene? Sure. That was one of my favourite scenes of the film. Yeah. One thing you can say for Jim Carrey is he's a great physical comedian. Yes. And he was like a Muppet. (laughs) He moved like an actual Muppet. It was like his limbs were on strings. Mm -hmm. It was so fun. I really enjoyed the little warm-up that he did. That felt like a really good Jim Carrey comedy. Just running back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The tacky medieval restaurants as well. Oh my God, that was awful. You didn't like that one? (laughs) It was just weird. Mm. Did they just let random people fight each other with swords? If you give them free cable, they do. So I mean, people do anything for cable. God. Yeah. But yeah, all these moments when you think Matthew Broderick's character should have been like, yeah, I'm out. Mm. <laughs> and he just mm. wasn't like... And it seemed like he kind of enjoyed that. Actually. Yeah, Jim Carrey's character in this was the sort of person who makes you feel very anxious because you never know if they're telling the truth. Mm. You never know if they're about to just suddenly freak out and murder you. Mm. But yeah, and he's like, oh yeah, I'll pick up a sword and fight this guy. Yeah. Like, why? You're <laughs> a person with a weird nothing job. <laughs> You're just an everyman, just boring person. Why, why are you suddenly picking up a sword and fighting yeah. a maniac? Yeah. And if they'd made it a bit more like, he, oh, he's a bit of a thrill seeker, he's getting a thrill out of it, it mm. would have been, it would have justified it. But yeah, Matthew Broderick just felt like he, just felt like things were happening to him and he was just trying to get get through each day. Like, yeah. He never felt like he had much of a personality, no. which was kind of disappointing. Did he make a single decision in the film? No, he really didn't. He was so passive. And mm. that's what I mean, he was kind of boring to watch. Mm. I would have swapped Matthew Broderick and Jack Black's roles. 
That might have been interesting. Yeah, that would have been a lot better, actually. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Oh, well, fix that. Yeah. Did you know, before Jim Carrey was attached to this project, it was offered to Adam Sandler? Doesn't surprise me. No, that makes sense. Mm. It would have probably been about the same. Well, mm. not the same. He's not as much of a physical comic. Yeah, I think this worked well with physical comedy. Yeah. I don't think Adam Sandler could have done as Adam Sandler would have this. just done the angry bits. Yeah. yeah. It, it... The lisp was very Adam Sandler, I thought. That's something he does. Yeah. yeah. Inappropriateness. Yeah, yeah, just just making making easy jokes at, the, mm. at people's expense, definitely, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm glad Jim Carrey got this and not Adam Sandler. I can't really think of anybody who I'd cast instead of Jim Carrey. No. You were never there for me, were you, mother? You expected Mike and Carol Brady to raise me. I am the bastard son of Claire Huxtable. I am the lost Cunningham. I learned the facts of life from watching the facts of life. Oh, God. Drinking games? Okay, so first one. Drink for peak Jim Carrey. The basketball scene, mm-hmm. the nightmare scene. Uh, maybe the, like the first bit where he's just knocking on the door just like, Cable guy! Yeah. Cable goobly! <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's lots of scenes where it's just him riffing, just doing his kind of stand-up comedy routine. Right? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Cool. Uh, my first one's a bit obvious as well, but drink every time Matthew Broderick overlooks a clear red flag. Like, <laughs> yeah, so every yeah. time something really uncomfortable happens, and he's like, oh, "I guess I'll give him one more chance." You know, mm. drink for TV quotes. Okay, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, drink every time the film could have been so much shorter and easier if Matthew Broderick had just told a single other person what was going on. <laughs> like, why would yeah. he not tell his girlfriend? Oh, by the way, this guy's a bit crazy. Don't trust him. Or like his parents. Or his parents. Yeah, exactly. It made every other character in the film look like a complete idiot as well, because no one was picking up on the fact that he was clearly crazy. Mm. Which, again, is a product of, A, the illogic of Matthew Broderick not telling them anything, but also Jim Carrey not dialing it back and being, in any point, plausible as a human being. Mm. Steven? This is a safe place. You're with people who love you. Right, everyone? Yes, Yes, we love love you. I hate you! Get out of my life! He's projecting all of his anger onto me. Maybe I should go. No. Don't go. Steven, you are being an asshole. What? You see what's happening right now? You're hitting bottom. You stay away from me. Come on now. This is where the healing begins. Come on. Come on. Robin showed me the birthmark on her left shoulder. It's very sexy. Drink for people being impressed by outdated technology. Ooh, okay. (laughs) I loved all the, like... VHS players and stuff and he gets this very very fancy TV and just like still just takes VHS yeah <laughs> cassette tapes for karaoke and stuff like that yeah <laughs> it was good what did you think of the karaoke party it was alright it was it just confused me a little bit at the start how everybody was old yes I was like have all these people just come from like an old people's home and <laughs> is, that, is that a weird thing like oh no that's not the case there are actually well there's the prostitute who we didn't know was a prostitute at that point and just like sure. okay so she's come from somewhere there's a police officer here, and there are a couple of young people as well. So why are there so many old people? It felt like a really weird bunch. It was more old people than it than is unnoticeable, uh, un- yeah. un- unmentionable. You talk about it. You'd yeah, be like, yeah, sure, yeah. Where all these people come from? Yeah, again. Also, my... actually, why didn't Matthew Broderick ask where have these people come from? Yeah, why was my flat? Yeah. There, there wasn't a party organised. It was just yeah. like I'm going to come over later. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yet, Jack Black's there, so some kind of invitations have gone out. But yeah, yeah, at no point does he ask, what's going on? Why are these people in my house? Yeah, 
And did him and the prostitute have any kind of conversation? Did Jim Carrey just tell the prostitute not to say she was a prostitute? Or I guess, maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Also, I mean, that sex scene was weird. It was. It was like I, she was giving him a really intense head massage. Yeah, because I, I didn't see when it started. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was just like, okay, they're at the party now. They're just sort of watching people do karaoke or something. Mm-hmm. Then Jim Carrey starts and she's just, yeah, just like rubbing his face from behind. Yeah. For is, a long is, time. Is this sex? Yeah. I don't think it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was very strange. It never went below the neck. It was, no. all, it was all in the hair and the, the cheeks. But he was, she was really like digging in. It was weird. She was giving him like a proper like Reiki head massage. It yeah. Was... And again, he wasn't like, look, what's going on here? Yeah. My penis is down there, babes. Like, <laughs> You know what? Ultimately, I think Matthew Broderick's character in this is just shit. He really is. Yeah. He deserved it. I'm going to say it. He deserved it. Yeah. I felt no sympathy for that character whatsoever. He deserved everything that came to him. Yeah. 100% agree. Mm-hmm. He did. Yeah. What do you mean by what? The women. The what? Do you mean that Heather is a prostitute? Of course she is. You think a woman like that would hang out with us if we weren't paying? Oh my god. This can't be happening. Oh, hey, hey, hey. It's okay. She's totally clean. I checked her out about a week ago. Make sure she was top quality. And I'm healthy as a horse, not a drip. Drink when Chip appears out of nowhere. Yeah. Like when he comes up behind someone for like, how did he get into the toilet cubicle? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I loved it. It was great. Yeah, yeah that was like, a fun like, reveal. I don't right? know. Yeah. To be fair, that was quite intense. Yeah. That was the only intense scene that he actually had. Mm. Yeah, we didn't talk about that scene where Owen Wilson shows up in a really unflattering dye job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he's dating... He's on a date with Leslie Mann. Mm-hmm. The eyebrows also, didn't... Also, she shouldn't have been on a date with him. That wasn't fair. Matthew that... Broderick was right in that part where he was like, we said we were just taking some time out, not seeing other people. And she's like, oh, no, it's fine. I'm just going on a date. They were on a break. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, come on, that's not No, fair. I agree, I agree. She was kind of... Yeah, but that, that character had nothing to her. But, yeah, and I was so distracted by his eyebrows that didn't match his hair um, that it made sense when he obviously mm. Jim Carrey ripped them off the not real eyebrows like. I, I I missed it I'm just always attracted by his nose he's mm. got a weird shaped nose that guy he does but still like, yeah still even today even I've, I've not seen many films that he's in so I'm still getting over the whole nose thing okay sure well okay yeah and then so Owen Wilson goes into the toilet and Jim Carrey's there in one of his crazy outfits he wears a lot of crazy outfits in this film. He does, yeah. Drink car- for a costume change. Yeah, yeah. There well, we go. Well, okay, let's let's park that and come back to it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so he beats he brutally beats Owen Wilson and makes him kind of fillet yeah, hair dryer, a hand dryer. I was wondering what was going to go on there. Mm. Was that about to turn into like a proper cartoon and like mm. his his stomach just blows up and then he explodes or something? Yeah. But that's what I thought was genuinely going to happen. Yeah. But no, it was just like okay, that must be uncomfortable. I feel like I mention this every week and maybe I should make it a thing. As well as Wigwatch, maybe I should bring in um, Homoeroticism Corner. But there were definitely some moments that of the film were A, with him filleting the hand dryer. And then there's also the bit in the prison when Jim Carrey like gets his nipple out and is like... There's, there's definitely some strange... <laughs> yeah, what was that? There's definitely some strange homoerotic undertones of this film. Mm. Which I guess is part of the whole, like, is he obsessed with him as a friend or is he in love with him? And it's like not... I think, again, the film doesn't really go there because it, it was the 90s and they didn't... It would have been more interesting if the film had gone there a bit more with that, mm. but it didn't quite have the balls, yeah. so to speak. But yeah, anytime Jim Carrey appears out of nowhere, is where that that would be worth a drink. Yeah, and I guess drink. For, what was the other thing we drink talked? Drink for a costume change. Drink for a costume change. Yeah, yeah. I liked it when he was at the karaoke party and he was dressed like he was wearing this weird like Dolly Parton fringed mm. snakeskin jacket and this mm-hmm. weird crucifixy. It was more of a, a robber or something. It was like this weird yeah, necklace was, yeah. that that. 
disappeared and reappeared in random shots, which I found really Did distracting. Yeah. No, I missed that. <laughs> Any more? Nope. Okay, I've got one more. Drink for cameos by future celebrities. So Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, he played the brewer in the family scene. Is Owen Wilson big at this point? No, not really. Uh, I say futures, or 90s celebrities. There were a lot of people who like were in Ben Stiller's kind of mm. world. Uh, actually, to be fair, a lot of them might be people who were kind of 90s famous you might not know. Mm. So when they're at the medieval palace, the waitress is Janine Garofalo. Who's that? She's a 90s comedian. She's fun. I was like, oh, Janine Garofalo. It's great. Cool, great. Uh, David Cross, a very young, very thin David Cross from Arrested Development is one of the office workers as well. Sure. Yeah, again, you, I don't really see him in much. And, uh, yeah, Owen Wilson. And Kathy Griffin, the comedian, plays Chip's mum in a flashback as well. So there's a few. There's lots of, like, spot the 90s celebrity that, that Harry doesn't know. He, cool, he's, he's, he's just a fetus. Yeah, and those are my drinking games. So, cool. Lovely. All right. Better get some, some, some sequels. Let's get to some sequels. Do you want to say that again? Nah. Right. Oh, no, yeah. wait. But Patreon. Oh, Patreon, yeah. Every bloody time we forget yeah, this. Indeed. All right. So, we're on Patreon. Which means that if any of you do quite appreciate the show and you'd like to support us in any way, in any way, in a financial way. <laughs> you can support us <laughs> in other ways, but, you know, just let us know. <laughs> um, yeah, if you'd like to uh, give us a little bit of money just to uh, say thank you or anything, then please go to patreon.com slash set. There we run a pay-as-you-feel scheme. Yeah, tiered system. Yeah, tiered yeah. system. Scheme sounds a bit like scheming. Yeah, we're not or, a pyramid like scheme. A, yeah, it's like pyramid a, scheme. It, it, it yeah. Like a yeah. <laughs> um, we're yeah. not going to take your life savings unless you donate them to us. So you can pay as little or as much as you want. It can be anywhere between well, it's not as little or as much between two dollars and fifteen thousand dollars a month. Yeah. We say this every week because one day, yeah, somebody might just pay fifteen thousand dollars oh, a month. That that day will be glorious. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited for that day. I'll buy such a great suit. <laughs> I might pay for my own Netflix, actually. Oh, yeah, you could do that yeah. instead of stealing mine. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you can pay as little or as much as you want for film reviews yep. of uh, films that are in the cinema right now. Mm-hmm. Our latest one being Ready Player One, currently. Yep. Currently on data recording this. Yep. I don't know what it's going to be later. Also, once a month, we invite any Patreon to come on and be a guest on the show. Yep. We've had some good ones so far. We have, so you yes. can choo- You can choose a film, and if you would like to come on and talk about it with us, you're welcome to do so. If you just want us to talk about it and you don't particularly want to be a part of it, that's fine too. Mm-hmm. But we will always invite you. So, yeah. Yeah, so that's all good fun. Uh, also, once a month, we will give out a 30-second advert slot for almost anything that you want to advertise. Yep. So, that could be your own podcast. It could be a film you like. It could be a random household object. This is a game we play each week. Uh, yeah. Harry names something in John's apartment. Multiple bottles of vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I am not selling those <laughs> over my dead body. Why do you have so many? I like vinegar. I, I'm a vinegar fiend. and I, I always fear running out. So whenever one bottle gets near to be empty, I get another one just to be safe. But, but then, then it's you just easy. dig into the big one. Yeah, because then, then it's like, oh, well, I'm going to run out if I use this one. So I'll, I'll just, I always start. I, yeah, I've got loads of little bottles of vinegar with like an inch of vinegar left in them. Yeah. Like you're making a collection. Maybe I am. Strange. Yeah. Strange. All right, okay. And uh, I think the last one, if you'd like to become part of one of our sequels, you can send us your name, some details, made up or real, Mm -hmm. and we will make you one of the characters in one of our sequels. Yeah, so please do go to patreon.com forward slash beyond the box set to support the show. We would really appreciate it. And we will now play this week's first segment ad slot for one of our patrons. So here we go. Hey, Drew, what do you do every other Wednesday? Specifically every other Wednesday, I watch a movie, Nathan. Oh my gosh, I talk about movies every other Wednesday. Oh my gosh, if we take my movie watching and you're talking about movies, 
We can make a podcast. We can make a podcast. That'd be great. But what would we call it? I don't know. I mean, I get the feels for the movies. And I get the reels part of it. Man, if we combine the two, we could have the Real Feels Podcast. I love it. Okay. You know what? We're going to find us on iTunes and Podbean. It's going to be great. Every other Wednesday. We're going to be the realist. The feelist. Okay, so the cable guy. Upgraded. Upgraded, okay. I think I can sense where this is going to go. Continue. Where's it going to go? Are you going to bring a lot of modern technology into it? It's very possible. Okay, continue. So we start with TV coverage playing on a fuzzy TV set from the mid-90s. Okay. Signified we're still in the 90s at this point, I guess. Sure. Um, it's on a news channel. By the way, what was with that MTV news channel in the, in the film? That was a thing. It looked like a cartoon. Yeah. What was going on there? That's just what TV coverage was like in the 90s. God, I don't know how you it's guys lived. a different lived. era, yeah. Do you not have Twitter? We did not have Twitter. You never. You're you're crap at Twitter. <laughs> I don't know why would you of all people complain about Twitter. It's there if I need it. The only thing you do on Twitter. If, if MTV goes down, it's there. The only thing you do on Twitter is w- apparently watch heavy objects fall onto trampolines. <laughs> yeah, my YouTube is connected to my Twitter. I need to stop that. <laughs> why are you so obsessed? With, I might cut this out, but it's I need really, to, I need it's to really ask, addictive. It's, I just noticed the other day that your entire feed is, but it's not just like a YouTube. Every one of them is. X lands on trampoline. X, like, giant ice cube lands on trampoline. Dog it, lands on trampoline. Like, <laughs> they've not thrown a dog on a trampoline. Okay, but you see, you have, you have this weird obsession, according to your Twitter feed, with watching things land on trampolines. <laughs> uh, it's this channel called How Ridiculous. They're uh-huh. just great. They, okay. just, they just drop things from high heights. It's really addictive. And it just gives you a lot of pleasure. Yeah. Okay. It's great. Yeah. It's good fun. Cool. Fine. I'm not here to judge. So anyway... <laughs> uh, <laughs> So we start with a TV with TV coverage playing on a fuzzy TV set from the mid '90s. It is a news channel explaining to us the events of a court case. Mm-hmm. Chip Douglas sued Stephen Kovacs. That's Matthew Broderick. Sure. So Chips sued Stephen, claiming that he threw him off the TV tower, breaking his back. For the whole case, Chip was in a wheelchair. During the case, Stephen was found to have stolen millions of dollars worth of household goods from hundreds of people. The jury surprisingly quickly unanimously agreed that uh, he was guilty of all charges and the judge sentences him to 15 years in prison. Oh, okay. So Jim Carrey's character has betrayed Matthew Broderick and made him out to be the villain mm-hmm. and successfully sued him. Mm-hmm. I like it. Mm-hmm. It's a good setup. Yeah. Continue. So in this 15 years of prison, mm-hmm. Stephen has done two things. Okay. He has spent 15 years coming up with an elaborate plan to get back at Chip by learning everything there is to know about cable television so he can torment Chip in the way that he tormented him originally. Okay. And steal all Chip's contacts in high places so he can get Chip arrested and okay. get him in prison. Okay, so he's been plotting his revenge in mm. prison for 15 years. Cool. The other thing he's been keeping busy with is becoming the kingpin of the prison. Okay. So he's been going to the gym, has many tattoos, a shaved head, and has bulked up massively. Is he still going to play by Matthew Broderick? No. So much <laughs> so that he looks like a completely different person. Is that person Vincent D'Onofrio by any chance? No. Oh, okay. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. From Matthew Broderick to Dwayne The Rock Johnson. I think it takes more than a few gym sessions to make that transformation, but sure, okay. Wow. That's even less plausible than Joseph Gordon ever aging into Bruce Willis. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll let it slide, continue. Anything to get boring or Matthew Broderick out of this film. So yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, so we, we go to release day. Mm-hmm. Stephen starts putting his plan into action he's memorised the location of the satellite dish and goes straight there he reprograms the cable feed so everybody's cable goes out and he's going to be the only cable guy who's able to fix everyone's TVs okay makes sense so sure. he can just make friends with everybody and Trip can't 
do anything. Okay. So he's going door to door with all these people that Chip's got connections to and fixing their cable. Pretty much. And so he can call in favours. So fr- from inside prison, he's uh, got in touch with uh, Jack Black. Sure. Who has helped him by setting up a company called Rock Cable. Okay. Play the, the rock. Play and the, okay, sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's got an apartment organised. So once he's finished the satellite, he goes back to that apartment and waits by the phone for it to ring. While waiting, he flicks on the TV to start catching up in the last 15 years that he's missed. Mm-hmm. Bear in mind, this apartment has been fitted out by Jack Black with all the things that you have in a, in a normal apartment. Okay. Um, he is instantly blown away by the quality of the TV. Sure, okay. He's suddenly like, what is this? This is so clear. It's like it's like it's here. Okay. What's happened to Leslie Mann? Has she just vanished? Oh, she comes up. Oh, she, okay, sure. Uh, he looks at the back of the TV to find out what kind of cable is plugged into it. And uh, there isn't one. There is only... The power cable and the little sticker saying Wi-Fi enabled next mm. to the Wi-Fi symbol. She has a look around and he finds that there's this little box just below the TV that's also got a Wi-Fi symbol on it. Sure. It's got some flashing lights and an antenna and he's like, what's this? So obviously that's a Wi-Fi router. Sure. It has the, the same Wi-Fi symbol and a logo for a company which reads BDC. Okay. Stephen panics because if his TV signal isn't out, which it should be, then what about other people's? So he rushes to the window and he can see loads of people watching TV. Mm-hmm. There are TVs on walls, TVs on desks. Some people are lying on the couch with TVs on their laps. He looks down to the street and sees people walking around with TVs in their hands. Mm-hmm. None of them have cables attached. And Steam realises that his plan has gone to <laughs> shit because technology has moved on. <laughs> I like it. So I guess if you're in prison, you probably wouldn't have that access to that kind of information. So Yeah, like he had access to a prison library. Yeah. Probably not the most up-to-date books. True, yeah emphasis on books books he yeah, reads sure. books these days true it's 2018 move on guys move well, on if you're in prison so he calls Jack Black and asks him so, the, so Jack Black set up a company in his name but at no point thought to inform him you know what actually this sounds like a great plan dude but you might want to know some things well I didn't really feel that like Jack Black actually liked him that much fair fair yeah so he says hey Jack Black <laughs> what the fuck is going on and he's like oh yeah things have changed while you've been inside you really should catch up all right, well, I guess I'll go down to the library or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, mate, just Google it. What? Oh, yeah, Google. There's a laptop by your bed. Go on that and just search for what you need to know. Look, man, I've got to go. See you later. Okay, thanks for the heads up, I guess. Not your best voice work this week. Great, thanks. You're not, giving a, you're not really giving me Jack Black. Yeah, well, I don't know how he's even talk. I can't do accents. I always appreciate the effort. I can't do an American accent. Okay, fine. So, that's... Jack Black's main feature. Sure, okay, fine. So Stephen spends the evening getting caught up on the latest technology. He's worked up where the laptop is now. Okay. And uh, he stumbles across an article about Chip Douglas. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really stumble across it, he probably Googles him. Sure, yeah. Important guy. So, the so ar- Chip Douglas is his real name now? Yeah, let's just go with that. Okay, sure, fine. Maybe it isn't, whatever. I, I, guess, his know, name, I, I guess his real name would have had to come out in the court case. Yeah. yeah and so. I, sure, fine. But so I'm, I'm picking I'm, I'm, Yeah, I've not written it in this. Fine. Just because cool. I couldn't be asked to look up what his name was. Sure. No, that was he never revealed it. That was the thing. So, oh, right. Yeah. Cool. So the article outlines how Chip used to be just a well-rated cable guy. Mm-hmm. Then after loads of crimes were pinned on him by the guy who threw him off a tower and broke his back, people from all over the city spoke out about how there was no way that Chip Douglas, the cable guy, could have done those things. It must have been that Stephen Kovacs guy. <laughs> so Stephen was sent to jail and Chip began his recovery. With the help of Stephen's ex-wife, Robin, who he later married. <gasps> Ooh. Mm. Gosh, she's stupid. <laughs> Chip regained the use of his legs and learned to walk again. Okay. He then took his cable business to the next level, becoming the biggest provider of cable TV in the country by the end of the decade. Mm-hmm. 
In the early 2000s, he was bought out by the global conglomerate Big Daddy Corp. Oh my God, they're back. It's been a while. <laughs> T-shirts available on TeePublic. <laughs> <laughs> Chip became the head of Big Daddy Communications and currently brings high-speed internet to 95% of the world. Oh, wow. He's one of the top 10 richest men on the planet and currently lives in the top of Chip Tower, the new tallest building in New York. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, Stephen is stunned by this. Well, understandably. He's, he's I'm stunned. He's broken. Yeah. He's like, okay, well, my 15-year plan has gone to shit. Yeah. Chip has done incredibly well for himself. And I don't know what to do. And so, okay, years later, okay. Stephen has become a very good hacker mm-hmm. and has been changing every piece of information about Chip that is online. He's changed articles which sympathize with him. Um, he has changed police evidence reports about all stolen goods. He's literally reversed every piece of evidence that was used against him originally. And he's also rewritten every article about anything Chip has done to make Chip seem like a really evil guy. Okay. The next part of his plan involves breaking into Chip Tower. So he goes in with some boxes. The building is full of screens, all with interactive videos of Chip. Now this is where Jim Carrier really comes into it. Okay. As essentially an artificial intelligence. Oh, okay. I mean, like, he's not really, but just, like, he's, he's just a guy, sort of... If, like, Siri were to give you a tour of a building. Sure. But Jim Carrey is Siri. Oh, okay. I get it. He's developed an AI system, mm-hmm. and it's his own voice and persona. Is he, like, a hologram, or is it just the voice of Jim Carrey, or...? No, oh, it's a hologram, yeah. It's a hologram he, of Jim He's probably there. He's just, like, running the building. Right, okay, sure. Interesting. Well, okay. No, I shouldn't say hologram. He's, like, screens on the wall. Like, it's still 2018. It's, oh, sure, okay. Yeah, it's not the future. Okay, right, I get it. Yeah, so, to open any door in the building... Somebody has to identify who said a certain TV catchphrase. Ah, uh, that seems very him, yeah. So, John, would you like to play? Yeah, always. Okay, first one is, uh, am I bothered? The options are Catherine Tate, Michael Palin, Mary Berry. It's clearly Catherine Tate. Cool, great. Crazy Fool. Is it Alan Sugar, Vicar of Dibley, or Mr. T? I would love it if it was Vicar of Dibley, but I believe it to be Mr. T. <laughs> I'm the only gay in the village. Is that Jeremy Clarkson, David Thomas, or Fiona Bruce? This security is very breachable. <laughs> Especially if you're Jim Carrey made it. So yeah, if you're a fan of British like sitcoms of ten years ago, ten fifteen years ago, then yeah, pretty breachable. Okay, so he makes it through every question because mm-hmm. I guess it's easy because mm-hmm. because I wrote it and makes it right up to Chip's apartment. Chip isn't in, but Robin is. She sees him and screams, just like. Oh my God, who is this? Because mm. it's The Rock. It's not like Matthew Broderick. Sure, yeah. I mean, th- you'd be scared if like a tattooed version of The Rock just appeared in your apartment. Yeah. How did his face change? Uh, he got beat up a lot. Okay, sure. Mm. I guess. Maybe, yeah. Okay. Um, Do you not think they look the same? No. <laughs> <laughs> Does she have better hair now? Uh, yeah, sure. Good. She had terrible hair in this film. She did, yeah. yeah. She sees him and screams. Okay. But he manages to calm her down quickly. By Does saying, she scream and like throw her hands in the air like, ah! Yeah, let's go with a proper camp comical screen. Yeah, again, I'm thinking of olive oil. Okay, yeah. yeah. But when she, when he explains who he is, mm-hmm. like, what's going on, she, she runs to him and hugs him. Because um, apparently, Chip has forced her to marry him and has programmed the internet and all phones to stop working for her so she can't get a hold of anyone to ask for help and she's confined to this floor of the building. Wow, that's dark. Yeah, mm. well, it's Jim Carrey. Yeah, no, sure. No, I'm into it. Cool. <laughs> so she's been stuck up here pretty much since she got married. Wow. Chip is an absolute psychopath. Okay. Jim Carrey playing a psychopath is one of my favourite things. Yeah, well, he certainly did it in this. So Stephen explains his plan to her, and uh, her face lights up completely. And so they start unpacking these boxes that he's brought with them. Later that day, 
Chip comes back to the building from somewhere and walks in. All the doors open for him right away because the videos can see that he, it's him. Yeah. And you get Jim Carrey just bowing to himself all the time. Sure. He goes straight up to his apartment and walks in and goes into the living room and stops still, staring at what he sees, quietly saying, no, can't be. So he does recognise him. Oh, The Rock's not there. Okay, um, so. So the camera spins around and we see that his living room has been completely rearranged. Oh. And whereas TV used to be, there is that same TV system from the 90s which Chip <laughs> used, you know, with the karaoke stuff. Sure, sure, that. sure, yeah. Well, that moment, armed police storm his apartment and arrest him for stolen goods. Right. One of the police mutters, it's a wonder he's not been arrested for anything before, given all the things he's done. Oh, because of all the internet changes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Weeks later, Stephen and Robin are watching TV together. Sure. They're watching a court case for Chip because he's you know, one of the most famous people in the world mm-hmm. and he's now getting potentially put in prison. It's going to be on telly. Sure. So it's just about to be announced if he's guilty or not. The judge says, Chip Douglas, I declare you. And at that moment, Chip looks directly at the camera and winks. And then a the picture cuts to static. Ooh. That's the end. And ooh, I like it. A cliffhanger. I, I, I think that's good. Yeah? Yeah, that's interesting. It came together in the end, I think. It did, it did. I... Wish th- if you're gonna hire the rock and not you should at least give him some action scenes, that would be my only thought. Like, he doesn't really get to be physical at any point in that. You just well, fight his way up the building, perhaps. He, he could, yeah. That, I think that's really good. I think that's tells an interesting story. I like the idea of the role reversal. I, I wanted to put more Jim Carrey in it, but uh, yeah. I don't really have space for him in, in this. Yeah, part. I don't think anyone's crying out for a um, cable guy sequel as all Matthew Broderick, but the fact that you cast we cast was the rock that mm. solves that problem. So, but you can put the rock in everything, exactly. Yeah, he, he is untouchable. Yeah. yeah, did yours have a title by the way? Uh, yeah, it was called... What's this film? Uh, the Cable Guy Unplugged. Okay, sure. Oh, wait, was it Unplugged or Upgraded? I think you said Upgraded before. I think Unplugged's better. Yeah, Unplugged's way better. Why Unpl- Unplugged is much better. Why would I say Upgraded? I don't know. Well, you got there in the end. So. It's not Upgraded Cable. Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, okay. what you got? So, my sequel is called The Cable Guy 2, The Unstable Guy. Hmm. It says the guy who just doesn't like working in a horse stable. No, Unstable is in... <laughs> <laughs> Although now that you mention it, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay, so I've also done a, se- a direct sequel. Mm-hmm. Some similarities to yours, but not the same story. Okay. okay. So I it's... knew you were going to do a direct sequel. What? I knew you were going to do a direct sequel. And I was like, I shouldn't do a direct sequel, but I've got nothing else. No. It's hard on this one, isn't it? It is. Like, it's not, because it doesn't really have much story. It's kind of self-contained. Yeah. Do you find it's quite unpredictable as to whether a film is going to be easy or hard? To... I know what you mean. Sometimes you think a film will be really easy and then it'll be a nightmare. And then sometimes you think one will be really hard and it'll be... Mm. Super easy. Mm. Like I thought, my mice member would be really difficult, and then when it came down to it, I quite liked my idea. But yeah, yeah. But you said that you had a lot of trouble coming up. With I did have trouble coming up with it. To be fair, yeah. Like it was good, but yeah, true. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to tell, mm. but we'll see. We'll see where this falls. So it's twenty years later, mm-hmm. to account for the passage of time. This mm-hmm. film came out twenty-two years ago, I think. After an extended spell in a secure psychiatric facility and extensive counselling to deal with his codependence and stalkerish tendencies. Yeah. Uh, Chip, as in the Jim Carrey character, has finally been judged fit to return to normal society. Okay. I get essentially at the end of the first film, in my version, he gets arrested, he gets, he gets committed basically, because mm. he's clearly insane. Yeah. So, he's had 20 years of intense therapy and counselling and rehabilitation, mm-hmm. and he's trying really hard to leave his past behind. I should say, my kind of inspiration for this is the idea that Jim Carrey got famous doing crazy characters like that kind of really insane intense like mm-hmm. amp up to 11 and I think like, he spent the last like 15 years or so kind of running away from that and trying to like prove he can do other things mm. so this is kind of a comment on that a little bit it's mm-hmm. like the idea is that 
the character is also trying to get away from being this crazy person. Yeah. So it's a little bit... That's where we're going with this anyway. So he's trying really hard to leave his past behind. So he's now... He's doing a lot of kind of stuff to control his kind of temper. He's meditating. He's going to group therapy. He's listening to a lot of Enya music. And he gets even gets a placement at a fairly stable office job. Mm-hmm. So he's really trying to just be on the straight and narrow and not be this crazy person anymore. Is the office job anything in particular? Or is it just... Uh... It's No, it's he's working at Generica Inc. Okay. Where he's just doing generic paper pushing and, you know... T- Typing on invisible keyboards, you know. <laughs> typing a keyboard with no screen. Everyone's favourite. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I know, I love it. What Keep was that in again? Was that in Supergirl? Uh, I think it was, yeah. <laughs> typing on a keyboard where there's literally no screen in front of it and just not even looking at anything. Yeah. I think it was Supergirl. I remember you telling me that. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I think it was. Oh. <laughs> anyway, so he's also banned. Chip is also banned from ever speaking to or going within 100 feet of Matthew Broderick's character Stephen ever again. So it's a full restraining order, understandably yeah. so. So, however, he does feel really terrible about the pain and suffering that he caused, and he really wants to find a way to check whether Stephen turned out all right. Mm-hmm. So instead of breaking his restraining order, he actually looks up uh, Jack Black's character, Rick, mm-hmm. and kind of seeks him out and gets in touch with him. And Rick is initially a little bit wary, because obviously they didn't like each other in the film. Yeah. Uh, but he agrees to meet Chip for a drink in a bar. Yeah. Where he explains that Stephen and Robin, the Leslie Manning character, they're fine. And they got married and they moved out to the suburbs after the events of the film. And he doesn't really see much of them anymore. Mm-hmm. But they're fine. They're good. So they end up spending the whole night together just kind of talking and getting drunk and reminiscing. And once they've gotten past that initial discomfort of not really trusting each other, they actually find that they really enjoy each other's company. Okay. And uh, at the end of the night, Rick, Jack Black's character, says, You know what, Chip? You're all right. You and I, we should hang out more often. Mm-hmm. So they start hanging out. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go to baseball games together. They eat at terrible novelty restaurants together. All the fun things Americans seem to do socially, according to these films. Yeah. And at first, Chip's like super happy. He's like, he's finally got a genuine friend. Mm. Like, you know, that's what he was looking for the whole time. Just, he just wanted a friend. So I think at this point, we, we're going to do a little, maybe a montage or a redo of the... <gasps> a montage? Maybe a montage? Yeah, a redo of the basketball scene and the medieval battle scene. Okay. This time he's doing it with Jack Black rather than with boring Matthew Broderick. Mm-hmm. So it's in, it's instantly funnier because you've got two good, really good physical comedians rather than mm-hmm. one. And also it's funnier because now they're both in their 50s. So mm. obviously, like, they're definitely going to throw the back at some point. You know? like, you know, <laughs> neither of them are going to be able to be as physical as they were when they were yeah, in their yeah. 20s. So yeah, so, so that'll just be, you know, a fun little callback. Yeah. So, yeah. I imagine the idea of, like, him, Jim Carrey, jumping on Jack Black's back again and jumping into the... Yeah, and, like, Jack Black going, oh my God, my back! And then... <laughs> Jim Carrey like missing the thing entirely because he can't jump that high anymore because mm-hmm. you know, he's older. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, that happens. So you know they're getting on really well. They're having a great time. They've got a good friendship going on. But after a while, Rick, the Jack Black character, starts wanting to hang out a little bit too much. Mm. He starts turning up at Chip's home unannounced, calling him all hours of the day and night. So it's a total role reversal, mm. basically. Jim Carrey's character is now in the position of being the Matthew Broderick. He's like this guy's being way too needy and full on. Also. Hanging out with Rick is bringing out all of those manic tendencies that he's trying to suppress because he's such a high energy person. He's Jack Black. Whenever he's with him, he, he kind of regresses back to that person that he's trying to get away from. So his mm-hmm. lisp comes back again. He starts mm-hmm. being very full on and physical and confrontational. And he, he also becomes strangely compelled to perform long, obnoxious karaoke numbers at any given opportunity. So. <laughs> nice. So he starts attempting to dial back the friendship a little bit. But Rick just isn't taking the hint at mm-hmm. all. And he continues to get more and more possessive even going as far as to get a job at the same company that Chip's working at. Right. And he starts crashing Chip's anger management group therapy sessions, mm-hmm. like claiming he has his own problems and like pretending not to know Chip. Sure. So obviously Chip's getting extremely agitated by all this, this person kind of trying to take over his life. And he eventually snaps 
and tells Rick that he doesn't want to be his friend anymore. Mm. Rick takes this very badly and starts a campaign to ruin Chip's life. So, again, it's a complete role reversal. Mm-hmm. He, he accuses Chip of stalking him. Mm-hmm. So, this, actually, this is very similar to yours. It's like the changing the narrative kind of thing. It's, it's like what Jim Carrey did at the beginning of your film. Jack Black's now doing it in the middle of mine. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so he accuses Chip of stalking him. And obviously people believe him because of the history and the fact that, you know, Chip's already been in prison for stalking and people, you know. Mm-hmm. So Chip ends up losing his job and being put under investigation while Rick continues to make his life a living hell by stalking him all the time. So in desperation, Chip kind of breaks the restraining order and looks up where Stephen is living now and then tracks him down so he can kind of ask him for some advice. Mm. So obviously the first thing Stephen does when he sees him is tries to run away, you know, because this crazy person's turned up after 20 odd years. But eventually Chip manages to convince him that he means no harm, he's not the same person anymore, and he explains what's been going on with Rick. Mm -hmm. So Stephen tells him that Rick actually had a complete breakdown when he and Robin got married, when Stephen and Robin got married. This is Matthew Broderick, obviously. And he nearly ruined their wedding, so much so that he actually had a restraining order out against him. So now Matthew Broderick's got a restraining order against Jack Black, basically. Mm -hmm. So Chip's like, oh shit, he's, he's crazy. Now he's stalking me. Mm. What do I do? Mm. And then Stephen's like, well, I hope you appreciate the irony. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah. So now... Totally Is that Matthew Broderick's only part pre- of That's all Matthew Broderick does. In the it's, a ca- nice. it's very much a cameo. Yeah. Nice. nice. So now completely freaked out, Chip drives back to his apartment, mm-hmm. where as soon as he walks through the front door, Jack Black emerges from behind the door and whacks him on the side of the head and knocking him out cold. Mm-hmm. He wakes up at the old satellite tower where the first movie climaxed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's raining and thundering again. So we are completely rehashing at this point. Mm-hmm. And Rick says, you know, first you stole my best friend and now you're rejecting me too. If I can't have you, nobody will. Yeah. So it's very, very intense, very mm-hmm. dramatic. Yeah. And they get into a huge fight and they're rolling around on the tower. You know, it's very dangerous. The rain is falling, the thunder's crashing, the lightning's, mm-hmm. lightning's striking, etc. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody notifies the police and soon they're surrounded by this huge crowd. You know, there's police and there's onlookers and everything. Ultimately, you know, they're fighting, fighting, fighting. And they actually end up slipping, and this time they both fall off the tower. All right. So they fall, but they land in a patch of mud, so they don't die. Mm-hmm. So they're both lying, they're dazed in the mud, you know, in, injured but not dead, basically. Mm-hmm. And as they're on the ground, the police run up, and one of the police looks at Jim Carrey, Chip, and says, Jesus, isn't that crazy cable guy from 20 years ago? <laughs> Cuff him, boys. <laughs> so they slap Chip in handcuffs and put him on a stretcher as he screams demandedly. He's like, it wasn't me, it was him. And a paramedic kneels down by Jack Black's side, Rick's side, and says, Hey, buddy, are you okay? And Rick says, I will be. And he turns and smiles at the camera, just like Jim Carrey did at the end of the first, and then cuts the credits. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very much the same film as the first one in many ways, but just a slight role reversal. Kind of. It's like it's a mixture of the first film and my idea. A little bit, yeah. I didn't make it up on the spot. I already had this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> No, no, it's good. That, 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 would, that would make a good sequel. Yeah, and I think it solves the Matthew Broderick problem by having, like, Jack Black and Jim Carrey. I could we both come up with reasons to solve the Matthew Broderick just to problem. Get rid, just anything to get rid of Matthew Broderick. Yeah, he's so dull. So dull. Like, Brilliant. Yeah. What was yours called again? Cable Guy 2, The Unstable Guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Ah, so The Unstable Guy isn't Jim Carrey. Yeah, twist. Ooh. Ooh. Layers. Didn't see that coming. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there we are. Any questions? Very nice. No? Cool. Listener submissions? Oh, yeah. So, once again, we had some good ones. So, Jake Bennett once again took the literal route and just said, The Cable Guy 2. Mm. I'm, like, I'm liking his literal mindedness. Asobi Totoro says, The film doesn't happen because Netflix. <laughs> to which Joss Malfroyd replied, But what if the tagline was, Netflix and no chill? 
Ooh, the Netflix yeah. guy, I like that. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Favala says the Apple TV guy. Mm, yeah. Uh, Chinti said the stable guy. He got better. <laughs> uh, Oliver Young says you find out the two main characters fake to the climactic scene at the end of the first movie, and they spend the second movie on the road together as best buds forever, which is nice. Mm, yeah, yeah. Uh, Nick Roseblade has a great title. It's uh, the Cable Guy Two. Look who's stalking. Mm. And so the, the oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somehow, Ernie slash Chip has managed to adapt with the times. He works for a video on demand streaming service and has made it quite high up the corporate ladder. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's similar to your one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephen isn't doing that well for himself and applies for a low level position at the same streaming service. Recognizes Chip and the roles are reversed as Stephen tries to use him to climb the corporate ladder. Mm-hmm. At first, Chip is, has no idea who the guy is and is a bit freaked out. Then he remembers how the first film ended and goes along with it for a while. But Stephen gets more and more creepy and possessive and Ernie starts trying to find ways to fire Stephen and hilarity ensues. So, I like yeah. it, yeah. Again, it's a complete role reversal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Matthew Thomas Antosh says, The Cable Guy 2, The Helicopter Guy. As telegraphed by the end of the first film, Jim Carrey becomes dangerously obsessed with the helicopter pilot that earlies him to safety. Mm-hmm. He also gets his pilot's license. So I guess he learns how to fly himself. Mm, that sounds dangerous. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Julio from the Contrarians podcast, at oh, Contrarian yeah. Prime, our good friend. The AT&T guy. We catch up with Chip in the present day. He's working as an AT&T phone representative and seems to have mellowed out a little bit. Then he starts receiving constant calls from the same customer who seems to be obsessed with him. The twist, it's Stephen, whose life has fallen to pieces. So again, a lot of people are liking this <laughs> yeah. role reversal. There's definitely a theme here. Including both of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Blokebusters, at Blokebusters. The coaxial guy. Sure, <laughs> as yeah. As a coaxial cable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is a prequel about how a mild newbie gets driven insane by stupid customers asking identical questions every single day. <laughs> and starts taking on the names of different TV characters to relieve the monotony. And suddenly finds that he can't stop. I guess that's how Chip goes insane. He's working on customer service, I guess. Mm-hmm. I guess it's like the IT crowd. He's constantly getting asked stupid mundane technical help problems and mm-hmm. drives them insane very good uh, the false starts podcast at false starts pod the online streaming guy mm-hmm. it's just 60 minutes of scrolling through audition tapes looking for a lead actor before deciding to just watch an episode of friends for the last 30 minutes so. <laughs> <laughs> nice. very messy I like this Jay Ross Terrier said he gains a lot of weight and launches a stand up comedy career and that's because there is a comic in America called Larry the Cable Guy Oh, right, he's yeah. like a big fat guy in a baseball cap mm-hmm. um, so yeah he's not famous in the UK so we, he's most famous I guess the only reason you might have heard of him is he does one of the voices in Cars uh, I've only heard of him because he did Jungle All The Way 2 oh of course cool. yes that guy anyway yeah but he, he's not famous here probably for the best uh, but thank you anyway Javis Cinema Recall at Cinema underscore Recall Cable Guy meets Broadband Girl <laughs> and this is this time Jim Carrey's character meets somebody even more dangerous and the tables are turned mm. Finally, We Watch Anything, at We Watch Anything, the fiber optic guy. Mm-hmm. It's the same movie, but played at four times the speed. <laughs> it's an art installation that comments on the temporary nature of technological high points and our limited attention spans. Mm. And then finally, finally, somebody called Ross Burton, oh, at RB Circus no. Artist, Obviously. replied to that sequel suggestion and said, four times faster isn't fast enough. Maybe eight or nine times faster would make this film bearable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fair, fair, fair. Yeah, So certainly. there we go. Those are our listener submissions for this week. Thank you very much, guys. They're great. If you have a sequel idea for The Cable Guy or any of the films we've done in the past, please let us know. We are Beyond the Box Set. You can find us at beyondtheboxset.com. Our podcast is available on all good podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Acast, Podbean, Spotify, and Google Play, and many more. Just search for us. You can also find us on social media at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr. Just search Beyond the Box Set. Uh, you can also find us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Beyond the Box Set. 
And if you like the show, please do leave a review or subscribe or, or become a patron. We'd love to have you as a fan. Mm. So thank you very much. And next week, Harry, I believe it is your choice. Yeah, it is. I've only actually chosen this one midway through the episode. Okay, sure. Because I feel like we're doing a bit of a season of uh, films starring the director and writer. Sure. Or the director, at least. Mm-hmm. So, it's between two films. Mm-hmm. And at this moment, I don't know which one I'm going to pick. Well, interesting. Okay. Heads or tails, John? I do love head, so heads. Heads. All right, okay. Can you guess what film Danny DeVito has directed and starred? Oh, War of the Roses? No. Twins? No. Throw Mama from the Train? No. Pass? No. That's not a film. I'm <laughs> I was passing. Ready. I was ready with that. No. Matilda. Oh, interesting. Now okay. that's, a re- <clears throat> that's a response right there. Oh, sorry. <laughs> ah! <laughs> wow, okay. Matilda. Okay. What, 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 was, what, what was Tails? Oh, well, I'll save that for another time. Oh, okay. Fine. Interesting. Okay. So yeah, join us next week for another film directed and starring the same person. Fourth in a row, I think. Yeah. Nice little season we're doing. Cool, Matilda. I like it. Yeah. Great. Okay. See you all next week. See you next week. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.